Welcome back to AI Ideas with Graham Colbertson, a show about ideas for AI that sit halfway between poetry and mathematics. This is another edition of Bits and Bytes, a short discussion of a key idea. Looking at all the episodes of Bits and Bytes that I've recorded, I realized what an absurd proportion of my thinkers have been men. And in this episode, I want to deal with that question, the woman problem, using a famous and still controversial article by Linda Nochlin called Why Have There Been No Great Women Artists? Here's how Nochlin sets the stage. Quoting an imagined questioner. Well, if women really are equal to men, why have there never been any great women artists or composers or mathematicians or philosophers or so few of the same? Nochlin is an art historian, so she's going to focus on artists, but you can see that she's already included philosophers as experiencing a similar problem. Okay, back to Nochlin. Why have there been no great women artists? The question tolls reproachfully in the background of most discussions of the so-called woman problem. But like so many other so-called questions involved in the feminist controversy, it falsifies the nature of the issue at the same time that it insidiously supplies its own answer. There are no great women artists because women are incapable of greatness. The feminists' first reaction is to swallow the bait, hook, line, and sinker, and to attempt to answer the question as it is put, i.e., to dig up examples of worthy or insufficiently appreciated women artists throughout history, to rehabilitate rather modest, if interesting and productive careers, to rediscover forgotten flower painters or David followers and make out a case for them. In other words, to engage in the normal activity of the specialist scholar who makes a case for the importance of his very own neglected or minor master. Such attempts are certainly worth the effort, but they do nothing to question the assumptions lying behind the question why have there been no great women artists? On the contrary, by attempting to answer it, they tacitly reinforce its negative implications. Now, as we'll see later in the episode, I, I do think there have been women who have done great thinking about philosophy of mind, but I don't want to go there yet. For now, I have deliberately chosen to avoid going down the road Nochlin is talking about. Like finding someone from one of the traditions that I'm working in, like Margaret Fuller, or Jane Addams, and then rediscovering them as forgotten geniuses. And in fact, yes, I did this in a publication on Jane Addams. I do think she's a forgotten genius. But she never wrote the kind of work that counts as philosophy of mind in the way that I have been using it in this podcast. So I think it would be laughable. It would be silly. It would be swallowing the bait to try and treat Jane Addams as if she were another Wittgenstein. I simply don't think that's appropriate in this case. Jane Addams simply wasn't a philosopher of mind in that sense, and describing her as one in order to have a great woman philosopher of mind is a stupid path. Now there's another option. I could just say that the reason why there have been no great women philosophers of mind is because I'm describing philosophy of mind as a man's game, in a man's way, and I need to look for feminine philosophers of mind. I never noticed them because I had accepted a male definition of philosophy of mind. Nochlin doesn't like this idea either. Another attempt to answer the question involves shifting the ground slightly and asserting, as some contemporary feminists do, that there is a different kind of greatness for women's art than for men's, thereby postulating the existence of a distinctive and recognizable feminine style, different both in its formal and its expressive qualities, and based on the special character of women's situation and experience. 
This, on the surface of it, seems reasonable enough. In general, women's experience and situation in society, and hence as artists, is different from men's. And certainly the art produced by a group of consciously united and purposefully articulate women intent on bodying forth a group consciousness of feminine experience might indeed be stylistically identifiable as feminist, if not feminine, art. Unfortunately, though this remains within the realm of possibility, it has so far not occurred. No such common qualities of, quote, femininity would seem to link the styles of women artists generally any more than such qualities can be said to link women writers. And then she gives a list of women artists, which I'm skipping to get to the women writers who are very relevant to my podcast. Here's Nochlin again. No subtle essence of femininity would seem to link the work of Sappho, Marie de France, Jane Austen, Emily Bronte, George Sand, George Eliot, Virginia Woolf, Gertrude Stein, Anais Nin, Emily Dickinson, Sylvia Plath, and Susan Sontag. In every instance, women artists and writers would seem to be closer to other artists and writers of their own period and outlook than they are to each other. Here again, I think Nochlin is completely right. It would be a very, very silly project to try and find the eternal feminine in various women who wrote about philosophical topics then declare that to be the feminine version of philosophy of mind. Virginia Woolf and George Eliot have very, very few similarities in their writings. They are not producing women's philosophy of mind. This is another misguided answer to this question, to declare that there's a man's philosophy of mind and a woman's philosophy of mind, and, you know, go back to Jane Addams or Margaret Fuller and find the woman's philosophy in mind. Frankly, I don't think Margaret Fuller and Jane Addams had much in common either while I'm here. So now finally, let's ask Nochlin, why have there been no great women philosophers of mind? Here's her answer with respect to artists. The question, why have there been no great women artists, has led us to the conclusion, so far, that art is not a free, autonomous activity of a super-endowed individual, influenced by previous artists and more vaguely and superficially by social forces but rather that the total situation of art-making, both in terms of the development of the art-maker and in the nature and quality of the work of art itself, occur in a social situation, are integral elements of this social structure, and are mediated and determined by specific and definable social institutions, be they art academies, systems of patronage, mythologies of the divine creator, artist as he-man, or social outcast. We have tried to deal with one of the perennial questions used to challenge women's demand for true, rather than token, equality by examining the whole erroneous intellectual substructure upon which the question, why have there been no great women artists, is based. By questioning the validity of the formulation of so-called problems in general, and the problem of women specifically, and then by probing some of the limitations of the discipline of art history itself. Hopefully, by stressing the institutional, i.e. the public, rather than the individual or private preconditions for achievement or the lack of it in the arts, we have provided a paradigm for the investigation of other areas in the field. While great achievement is rare and difficult at best, it is still rarer and more difficult if, while you work, you must at the same time wrestle with inner demons of self-doubt and guilt and outer monsters of ridicule or patronizing encouragement, neither of which have any specific connection with the quality of the artwork as such. And this, I think, gives us plenty to answer why there have been no great women philosophers of minds. Even more than in the art world, the world of philosophy depends on institutions. There's not really patronage for philosophers. 
It's really just universities. And these institutions have problems both as institutions and what I might call psycho-institutionally following Nochlin. The institutional problem is that women have not traditionally had access to the resources and mentoring in the field of philosophy, even if they have been admitted into these philosophy departments, which they've only been allowed to be in for the last few decades. In fact, it's obvious that, you know, some institutions have worse problems than others for women. Uh, it's much worse for women in cinema, for example, than in photography. And it seems that not only might philosophy have the very worst institutional situation for women, but philosophy of mind in particular seems to be even worse. And these traditions that I'm working with, Emerson Thoreau, Austin Cavell, for one of them, and uh, James Dewey Rorty in the other, seem to be more or less completely dominated by men, even if you throw Margaret Fuller into one and Jane Addams into the other. And then there's the psycho-institutional problem the inner demons of self-doubt, and the outer demons of ridicule. Even if these institutions have technically been admitting women for decades, it's very difficult to succeed as a woman in a field in which both the internal and the external sources of imposter syndrome have been amplified. The good news for me is that I'm not a professional philosopher, and I agree with Richard Rorty that novelists and poets are more likely to help us understand other minds than most forms of philosophy. And if we are willing to listen to poets and novelists on these issues, and I certainly am, then the greatest thinker about other minds who ever lived is Virginia Woolf. And of course, we can also call upon people like Philip K. Dick and Stanislaw Lim. But the list of women who have made great contributions in the past couple of centuries, I think, is even longer. Mary Shelley, Emily Dickinson, Anne Leckie, C.J. Cherry. Perhaps Virginia Woolf would have beaten Wittgenstein to his great insights in philosophy of mind if she had been a Cambridge philosopher. But as a woman, she didn't have that opportunity. She did, however, achieve greatness in describing other minds, even though, for institutional reasons, she never had a chance to be a great woman philosopher of mind. This has been another edition of Bits and Bites from A Ideas. Please believe in other minds. <laughs> <laughs>